Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Mary asked Judy as they walked through the prison parking lot to their car. What? Judy looked over. Call me crazy, but I don't think he did it. I believe him. Judy fell into step beside her, nodding. I agree with you. I don't think he did it either. It's ironic, right? There's a record full of evidence against him. Like you say, he didn't have a chance on appeal. Why do you think he's innocent? Just by what he said and the way he said it? He gave a completely plausible explanation for how Fiona could have been murdered. If he hadn't gotten so flustered on the stand and he had a better lawyer, he would have had an excellent chance of raising reasonable doubt. That's why I think it. He's either the best liar on earth, or he's really telling the truth. Or we're projecting wildly and being insanely naive. There's also the facts of record, not just us being naive. Judy shook her head, musing as they walked in the same stride. He didn't take the plea deal initially. That intrigues me. Also, he has no criminal record, and lastly, he testified in his own defense. You can watch Law and Order and know that's suicide, especially if you're guilty. Good point, Mary said, as they reached the car and she chirped it unlocked. What a difference a day makes. What do you mean? Yesterday, I believed in our client, but not Stahl. Now, I believe in Stahl, but not our client. I still believe in both. Mary got into the car, so did Judy, and they closed the doors behind them. Will you read me those letters he gave us while I drive? If you promise not to drive off the road in despair. Go, girl. Mary started the engine. They both put on their shoulder harnesses, and Judy dug into the manila envelope, taking out the packet of letters and opening the second one. You want me to read to you? It's all on one line. Judy cleared her throat. Dear Mr. Stahl, I hope you are doing well. I know you are innocent and you will be free soon. Your friend, Allegra Gardner. Doesn't that sound like the first letter? Mary steered out of the parking lot and down the long road to Route 29. Yes. Let me see the third one. Lonnie was nice enough to put them in chronological order. Judy put the second letter away and opened up the third one, while Mary looked over nervously seeing that it was only one line. Please tell me it doesn't say the same exact thing. It says the exact same thing, which would be the obsessive part. Oh, no. Mary bit her lip, hitting the gas in light traffic on the two-lane road. I can't wait to read the other ones and try to understand what was going on with her. What's the next one say? Let's see. Judy opened the fourth letter while Mary held her breath. Mare, remember in The Shining when Jack Nicholson writes, all work and no play makes Jack a dull, dull boy over and over and over again? Yes, Mary answered, dismayed. Well, it's like that, only less entertaining. Mary groaned, hitting the gas and heading for their next appointment. An hour later, Mary and Judy were sitting across the neat desk of Bob Brandt, who turned out to be an up-and-coming sports agent and lawyer. He was African-American, six foot three and powerfully built, a former running back at Temple, whose broad shoulders strained against the seams of his tailored gray suit with a sharp tie of melon silk. His jovial air belied his size, and his brown eyes were deep-set, earnest, and even playful under a prominent forehead. 
He wore his hair natural, cut medium short, and he had a close-cropped beard. He must have recently turned 30 years old because there was an array of birthday cards open on a cherry wood credenza, next to framed family photographs of a pretty wife and two adorable little boys. Mary introduced herself and Judy, then got to the point. We've just come from Graterford, where we met with Lonnie Stahl. We know you represented him in the Fiona Gardner murder case about six years ago, and we need to just ask you a few questions. Go right ahead. Bob leaned forward on his desk, linking his immense hands together. His desk was neat, holding only a silvery Mac Pro laptop, a stack of neat papers, and a tiny Eagles football. Sports memorabilia shared shelf space with law books behind him, and framed football and baseball jerseys lined the wall of his large modern office, which occupied.